Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about results from yesterday's games, in fact, the weekend, given it's a Monday, and wagers before diving into the full slate of betting plays for today. We go through the entire slate and then give you our morning hedge plays that we like. Now, our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. The Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS to get started. Please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so. Now let's recap yesterday's betting slate. MLB-wise, we go 0-1 yesterday. We did have the Guardians and White Sox that was postponed. The Dodgers won 10-3. Unfortunately, they ran through Sandy Alcantara, who's been an absolute Ironman for that Marlins team. So we had Marlins plus 145. Was a bit of a reach, but we thought he might be able to do just enough to pick up the win. Now, EPL-wise, was a 1-2 day. We had Chelsea, who lost 3-0 to Leeds with both teams to score. We had Brighton to beat West Ham, and they were both teams to score there, and it finished 2-0. However, we did get Manchester City and Newcastle over two and a half goals. That one cashed relatively early in the day. We almost wanted to push it to three and a half, but kept it at two and a half at minus 137. And then we had a clean sweep on the WNBA side of things, 2-0, as we had Dallas 89-79 versus Connecticut except Dallas was plus 12 and a half, so we could have even gone money lining cashed yesterday. So that was an easy play. And then the Seattle Storm, 97 to 84 over the Washington Mystics. We had Seattle minus three and a half. Now, recapping the BMW Championship, Patrick Cantley goes on to win the event, uh, is the first person actually to go back-to-back years in a FedEx Cup event. Uh, He beat Scott Stallings by a shot, and he was three clear of Xander Shoffley and Scotty Scheffler. So we have the Cantley future of him winning outright. So we go positive with plus two and a half units. Uh, Unfortunately, the rest of the board was not too kind. We had a guy withdraw. We had a bunch of guys finish in that 25th to 35th range. Rory was T8, but we had him as a winner play as well. So overall, we're happy with the golf weekend. Uh, we were able to make some profit there. Now let's talk about some of the other weekend results that went on. 
Uh, it was a loaded CFL weekend, including the host of the show attending that Saskatchewan Rough Riders game. But the Elks, they won 30-12 to over to Red Blacks. The Riders lost 28-10 to versus the BC Lions. BC's just in a different class than them right now. However, Nathan Rourke, who I kept calling Tanner on the show the other day, Nathan Rourke, he unfortunately is going to miss some time for the BC Lions with an injury. Then you had Montreal 29-28 to over to Hamilton Tiger Cats. And then to cap it off, the Calgary Stampeders go on the road to win 22-19 to over the Calgary Stampeders. Let's talk yesterday's baseball results as well. You had the Yankees. They won 4-2 over the Toronto Blue Jays. Ben Attendi hit his fourth home run of the year in the bottom of the seventh to win that game. You had the Mets 10-9 over the Phillies. Trevor May comes in in relief to get the win, while Mark Canha hit two home runs and Brandon Nemo added another one as they win 10-9 over those Philadelphia Phillies. You had the Reds. They won 9-5 over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mike Miner went five and two-thirds in the win, while Jake Fraley and Mike Mostakis both hit home runs for the Reds. You had Jose Yerkudi had six Ks in seven innings pitched in a win as the Astros won five to four over the Atlanta Braves. Gurriel with the winning single in the top of the ninth inning for the Astros. Then he had the Rays three to two versus Kansas City. Sean Armstrong with the win, and Pete Fairbanks gets the save, while Betancourt hit a home run for the Rays as well. You had the Tigers. They uh, shut out the Angels 4 to nothing yesterday. Eduardo Rodriguez with 5Ks and 5 innings pitched. You had Riley Green hit a home run as well. You had the Rangers also blank the Minnesota Twins 7 to nothing as Arihara had 6 innings pitched, 3Ks, while Marcus Simeon and Nathan Lowe hit home runs for the Rangers in the win. Then you had the Brewers. They won 5-2 versus the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Woodruff went five and two innings pitched with five Ks for the Brewers. Then you had San Fran. They won nine to eight versus the Rockies in the 11th inning. Wilmer Flores hit a sack fly in the 11th to clinch it for the Giants. You had the A's. They won five to three versus Seattle. J.P. Sears, he went five innings pitched with three Ks in the victory. You had St. Louis six to four over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Took five St. Louis pitchers in order to win this one, but they pull it out in a 6-4 to four fashion. And then you had San Diego 2-1 to one versus the lowly Washington Nationals. Sean Manea, seven innings pitched, four Ks in the win. And you had Josh Bell hit a home run as well, the new acquisition at the deadline for the Padres. Now let's look at today's slate as there's plenty of games out there today. Uh, in a couple different leagues here. You got Manchester United and Liverpool. I'm sporting the Manchester United shirt today. Not feeling confident doing it, though, given that they dropped both of their results to open up the EPL season. They've been outscored 6-1 to one over that stretch, and now they take on a Liverpool side who are on the road and favored minus 152. You got Manchester United at plus 375, the draw at plus 333. Now, the goal total here is two and a half at minus 193, so it's a bit juiced if you go two and a half. If you go three and a half, then it's plus 125. We also saw a lot of scoring yesterday, so does that translate over to today as well? Will we continue to see that? Both teams to score is also fairly juiced at minus 182. They're assuming that United's going to give up goals. I am as well, given how bad that back line has been for Manchester United, but the play that I kind of like because they're at home is United draw no bet at plus 250. Obviously, I'm a United fan, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. 
But I do like it because I feel like they have the potential to upset here. Everyone's writing them off. They have looked terrible through two matches, but they can always turn it around today. Maybe they figured some things out in training as far as what the formation they want to play and what personnel they want to use. So I don't mind the plus 250. I think it has potential. And if they end up drawing the match, then fair enough. You could even hedge by betting draw and then United draw no bet. Now, I, given I am a United fan, I do like the over two and a half goals as well. It is juiced, obviously, minus 193. But I do think there is some value there that you could throw in a parlay. You could toss in a solid to score or a Ronaldo to score. Wait, though, until you see the final matchups or the final lineups. I got burned on that earlier this year when Ronaldo did not start the opening match. And neither guy has scored through two matches after being up there in the EPL scoring race last season. So it's one to keep an eye on. Then NFL preseason-wise, you've got Atlanta and the Jets. You should see Mariota and Ritter here for Atlanta. And then on the Jets side of things, you won't see Zach Wilson, so likely a lot of Mike White tonight. Uh, don't really love the spread or the over-under here, so we're staying away from NFL preseason. Now, White Sox and Royals, over-under 8.5 here. Uh, I lean fade altogether on this play because I really don't know which direction to go with these two teams. You got the White Sox who are coming off a win. They've won six of their last ten. Kopech has given up only three earned runs in his last 12 innings pitched. And then in Kansas City, they've lost two in a row, only won two of their last 10. But then you've got Lynch has had near identical, only three earned runs in his last 11 innings pitched. I don't love the over-under here, given both have pitched well, although I don't have a lot of faith in either guy. So we're overall just staying away from this first play. Then you've got the Mets and Yankees today. Mets are minus 165 versus the Yankees. Yankees have been ice cold as of late, but you got Scherzer on the mound for the Mets, who's 9-2 with a 2.15 ERA, taking on German, who's 1-2 with a 4.45. So overall, don't really love this play either. But I will say Walker Bailey, friend of the show, he sent in a guest play today, and it's the over Yankees and Mets at 7. I kind of like it, stayed away myself, but we're going to roll with Walker today. We're going to ride with him. Mets have won 6 of 10, Yankees just 3 of 10. I think there's potential here for one of these teams to have an offensive explosion against one of these pitchers. Then you've got Cincinnati and Pittsburgh today, Sessa versus Syndergaard. Phillies are minus 240. The over-under is 8.5 as well. Since he's won two straight, but they've only won four of their last 10, Phillies are also in the same boat of having four of their last 10 they've won. So overall, neither of these teams comes in rolling. I think if I had to lean one, it would be Phillies, but it's obviously juiced at minus 240. So bet that with a grain of salt. If you want to go run line on this game, you could get it at minus 120. But we're going to stay away from this one. Uh, over eight and a half would also be the other way that I would go with this one. Then you've got Atlanta, who are minus 200 versus Pittsburgh today. The over under here is eight and a half. You've got Odorizzi and his 4.15 ERA taken on Contreras with his 4.02. Now, Atlanta, they're coming rolling. They've won eight of their last nine. And then Pittsburgh, they've lost two straight. So this is going to be a part of our official card a little bit later on. So keep an eye out for that in a few minutes' time. Then you've got Texas and Minnesota. Texas have won two straight. And Minnesota have lost two straight. Two teams going in opposite directions. That doesn't mean, though, that the Twins aren't favored today at minus 210. The run line here is plus 105. 
It's because you've got Cole Reagans going for Texas, who has a 5.02 ERA and an 0-2 record. He's taken on the steady Eddie Sonny Gray, who's got a 3.11 ERA and is 7-3 on the year. Staying away from this play because the Rangers have been rolling a bit, but Minnesota do have the better pitcher today, so this one will not be a part of our official card. Then you've got the Angels and Rays. Angels have lost two straight. Tampa Bay's won two straight and seven of their last ten. They've got Springs on the mound taking on Davidson for the Angels. The Angels you typically fade if it's not Otani on the mound, but the Rays are minus 210. I think if I had to lean anything, I would go the run line here at plus 105, but this is not a part of our official play. That's just an early lean that we like. Then you've got St. Louis. They've won seven in a row and eight of their last 10. They're taking on the Chicago Cubs, who just lost yesterday but have been on a bit of a roll here. They've got Drew Smiley on the mound who's got a 3.67 ERA taken on John Montgomery and his 3.29 ERA. I do like the Cardinals here. It's a part of, a part of our official play, but we will uh, have that in a few minutes' time. Then we've got Miami and Oakland. Miami have lost four straight and just two of their last 10. They're taking on Oakland, who have won two in a row, but they've also only won four of their last 10, so neither team is rolling. you got Cabrera versus Oler today. Staying away from this one, don't love either team, can't trust either team, so we're just going to watch and see. And then to cap it off tonight, you've got the Milwaukee Brewers taking on the LA Dodgers. Dodgers are minus 250, the Brewers, if you want to bet the money line today, plus 210. But the Dodgers, they've won seven of their last 10, Milwaukee just four of their last 10. So this one is a part of our official card as well which we're going to get into now with the hedge morning plays. These are our official early plays for the day that we like. Obviously, the odds can change. We like to bet these straight up. If you want to throw them in a parlay, go ahead. But these are the four plays that we have for today, starting with Manchester United and Liverpool, over three and a half goals at plus 125. United's backline, they've been terrible. I don't think that they're going to get shut out, though. I think they figure out a way to score. Liverpool also, they're coming in, they're hungry. They've had a draw and two draws to start the season. They need to start picking up points before City gets too far ahead of them, and then they're completely out of the title race. So Liverpool, this is a massive derby game. It's Northwest Derby. These are two rivals. I expect an up-and-down game, mostly with Liverpool dominating possession. So I'm taking the over three-and-a-half goals at some plus money. Then you've got the Braves run line versus Pitt at minus 120. 79% of the bets are on this Braves run line, but you got Odorizzi on the mound. The Braves are red hot. Pittsburgh, they upset Cincy a few days ago, but Contreras, he's giving up almost a run per inning in his last 13 innings pitched. And I so I think the Braves are going to roll them today. Also going to keep an eye on what Odorizzi K-line is before first pitch goes out. Might play that one as an official play as well. But as of now, we're going to keep it off the slate. Then we've got the Dodgers and Milwaukee Brewers over seven and a half. It's Urias and Lauer that are on the mound today. Now, Lauer gave up two earned runs in the last game versus the Dodgers. Urias gave up zero. So it was a very low scoring game. But that was just a few days ago. And so I'm expecting that both lineups, they'll have figured out these pitchers. 57% of the public likes the under here because of how well they pitched. I think one of them's going to get figured out. They might get chased early on. And so I'm going with also the Dodgers bats to go off as well. And so the over seven and a half we like as an official play today. And then to cap it off, we're going St. Louis Cardinals first five 
minus a half at minus 125 versus the Cubs. Smiley on the mound versus Montgomery for St. Louis. The Cardinals, they're red hot. I think they keep it going today. Smiley pitched well his last couple, but he's not consistent enough for me to trust it. And I think he has a bad result today versus a good Cardinals lineup. And then I do trust John Montgomery to be steady over those first five innings. And so we just like St. Louis, quite frankly, to be leading after the first five. So that's what we're rolling with today. Those are the four plays for the show. Uh, It is a a bit of a lighter slate just with less MLB games, uh, less NFL preseason, no CFL. We're just a couple weeks away from NFL kicking off, which we will talk about daily with line changes moving. But thank you everyone who listened this morning to the live show. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast version of this show, stay tuned as we have our Minnesota Vikings preview. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 22nd, which means our 22nd NFL team preview is upon us. Now, yesterday the discussion was all about the New Orleans Saints, a team that we're a bit unsure of where they're going to fit into this whole NFC picture. And today we're going to talk about another one of those teams where they could go one of two ways. They could be a playoff team, they could go on and have a great deal of success under a new head coach, or they could slump, falter, and then we won't see them in the playoff hunt. That being the final team from the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings. Now I'm running solo today, but today we will put a major focus on this Vikings group. So let's talk some expectations for this team some bets that we like, and even some fantasy football talk. But before we get into heading into this season, let's look at last season and talk about why we're maybe a little bit unsure about this group. So the Vikings, they won 8-9 last year. They were second in the NFC North. They lost four of their last seven games in order to miss the playoffs in the NFC. Now Kirk Cousins, he threw for over 4,200 yards, over 30 touchdowns, They had Dalvin Cook in the backfield who rushed for over 1,100 yards and six rushing TDs. They had Justin Jefferson who had over 1,600 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns. They also got 10 touchdowns from their other wide receiver target, that being Adam Thielen. But after missing the playoffs, they decided to move on from longtime head coach Mike Zimmer who was fired at the end of the year. And a big reason why is because of the defense that they had. So the Vikings had the 30th overall defense in the league. They were 28th in passing defense and 26th in rushing defense. So clearly the offense was not the issue. So we have to look at, did they go out and address these issues? What's going to make this year different for the Minnesota Vikings? Now the offseason moves that they made, starting with that new head coach, they brought in the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, who's going to take over an offensive-minded head coach, for a team whose offense was already pretty stellar. Now, on the draft side of things, they went out and they tried to address the defensive lapses. They brought in safety Lewis Sign from Georgia, who is the 32nd pick. They brought in cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson in the second round. They also brought in linebacker Brian Asamoa out of Oklahoma in the third round. So the first three rounds of the draft, they were really keyed in on the defense. Now, defensive players from last year that won't be suiting up this year, Xavier Woods, who moved on to the Carolina Panthers, and Anthony Barr heading to my Dallas Cowboys. 
So what did they do to replace these guys? Well, they went out and they made a splash starting with outside linebacker Zadarius Smith. They bring him in from division rival Green Bay on a three-year $42 million contract. They also brought in defensive tackle Harrison Phillips from Buffalo. Three years, $19.5 million for him. And then they go out and add inside linebacker Jordan Hicks from Arizona on a two-year $10 million contract. So three really nice players that they're bringing in on the defensive side. They also shored up the offensive line by adding Chris Reed from Indianapolis. And then wide receiver Albert Wilson from Miami. Might see him on some special team stuff and even some gadget plays in that offense. So they went out and they made some significant moves. Now, where does this put them, especially on the defensive side? Will this defense truly hold up this season? I mean, it's tough to be worse than 30th from a year ago, but now that we're looking at a lot of these moves, this should certainly be an improved group. Now, how well is this group going to hold up to be a difference maker in potentially making the playoffs? Now, the ringer ranked them at 10th as far as defense goes. Now, the writer from the ringer who spoke about this even said, well, I've been burned by the Vikings defense before. And I'm not prepared to go that far with this Vikings group. I'm not prepared to say that they're going to be a top 10 defense by the end of the year. But do they have top half potential in that 14 to 18 range as far as the defense goes? I think that they do. And when we're talking about going from 30 to mid-tier, that's a significant difference in the NFL. So I think this defense does have the potential to hold up. I think that they definitely can go out and be competitive in the NFC. But how good can they be in the NFC, this Minnesota team? We obviously have the defending Super Bowl champs, the Rams. You've got Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. Even in your own division, you still have Aaron Rodgers there. But once you get past those three, maybe throw Dallas in there, maybe San Francisco, you've got two playoff spots up for grabs. Now within your own division, you know Chicago's nowhere to be found. Detroit might be improved, but not sure if they can get all the way back to the playoffs. The NFC East, throw the Giants out the window, potentially that Washington Commanders team as well. You maybe have Arizona in the mix in the AFC or in the NFC West. And then the NFC South, you have New Orleans and Carolina, two teams we've already talked about that could potentially be in that playoff race, but it would be surprising if they were. So they have great potential to be a playoff team. I mean, the more research I did when, when I talked to the Lions with Craig Campbell, I thought, wow, I, I think Detroit has potential to be second, but seeing all the moves that they made, moves that I was not even aware of that they went out and did, I completely forgot about the Jordan Hicks move. I forgot that their draft was all centered around defensive players. So I look at this team, and you bring in an offensive-minded head coach, who's to say that Kirk Cousins couldn't be better? And people don't give him a lot of credit for what he does. Now, part of it is he's in a great offense. You talk about Dalvin Cook. If he's out, you got Alexander Madison right behind him. You got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, one of the best one-two punches at the wide receiver position. You've got a pretty solid O-line and Irv Smith, a pretty steady tight end. I think the sky's the limit for Minnesota to be in that playoff race. And once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Cincinnati proved that last year in the AFC. So let's look at the Vikings from a betting perspective now. The Vikings, they are plus 280 to win the division. Green Bay, minus 189. Now, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say Minnesota's going to win 11 games and win the NFC North. 
But I do think that they have the potential to get to 10 wins, I think more likely nine, in order to be in that playoff hunt. And Vegas clearly thinks so as well because the over-under win total they have for this group is nine and a half. The under's minus 134, the over's plus 100. All those odds come from bet99.com. But division-wise, I think they're going to be fine. When you look at this Chicago team, I think they should be able to take both games off of them. You split with the Lions, potentially split with Green Bay. So I think a worst-case scenario for Minnesota is you go 3-3 three and three in the division. Now, what does this mean for that over-under win total? It means that Minnesota has to go out and win 7 of their 11 games outside of the division. Now, there's a, not a lot of teams in this non-division schedule that you would automatically write off as a loss. Probably the only one you point to right off the bat is Buffalo. But then you start going down the list. Yes, you have playoff teams from last year like Philly, like Arizona, like Dallas. And then you've got teams like Indianapolis, New England, uh, Miami's in the mix, New Orleans. But all of these games feel like 50-50 games, that it could just be any given Sunday in the NFL. Now, in the past, this team would lose probably more than they should. Now, can it be different under Kevin O'Connell? I think it could be with how good this defense is. I think Kirk Cousins could be much improved, keeping in mind that last year he was a top 12 quarterback in the league, and a lot of people don't like to give him credit for that. Now, the playoffs one intrigues me. The minus 112 is yes. The minus 114 is no for making the playoffs. I like the playoffs odds, assuming that getting to nine wins gets you into the playoffs, and I think it does in the NFC this year. So I think if you're looking at a real total that you want to take, I think you take the yes at minus 112. To me, this is the best future bet that you could throw in for this Vikings group. And it's because I could see them going 9-8. and eight. I could see them going 10-7, and seven, which is right around where that over-under is. But I think 9-8 and eight gets you into the playoffs this year. So to me, it's the safest bet to make if you're going to go the Minnesota route. You could pick them to finish second in the division, which is close to the same odds. But for me, I like this minus 112 to make the playoffs for the Minnesota Vikings. Now let's talk fantasy value for this team. Because this is a team that's littered with fantasy talent, early fantasy talent in drafts as well. Starting with Kirk Cousins, whose ADP is 122. We're talking about an 11th round QB, maybe 12th round, depending on the league that you're in. He's just ahead of Tua Tagovailoa. He's behind Derek Carr and Trey Lance. Kirk, he's solid. Like, last year he was QB 12 in fantasy. But does he have top 10 upside being in this new offense? And it's not a new offense from a personnel point of view. It's a new offense from an offensive-minded head coach. Zimmer was less an offensive mind to me. And so I think that you could see Kirk have an even better year than a year ago. Could I see him getting to 4,500 yards, 35 TDs? 100% and to me that gets you into that top 10 range of fantasy football and he certainly has the weapons to do it so when I'm talking fantasy value I can punt QB down the road and I can get a guy like Kirk Cousins a steady Eddie that you start probably every time that isn't a primetime game and you're going to feel pretty good about having Kirk Cousins in there he may not explode for 35 points but he'll consistently get you 20 to 25 points and you'll feel okay with QB if you punt it down the road. Now, I would draft Kirk and maybe another quarterback, maybe take the Staffords, the Dax, the Rodgers, and play the matchups, but I still think 
if you do wait a little bit for QB, you're not going to be disappointed having Kirk Cousins there later in your draft. Now, Dalvin Cook, his ADP is five. He is in the top five of fantasy football this year, and he's a top five running back as well because he's only behind Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and Austin Eckler. And I put Dalvin in in that CMC and Henry category of, man, if they play all 17 games, then they are absolutely lethal. The fact of the matter is, over their career, they haven't. And so I think that's why Dalvin slips a little bit here. He went in the 2-3 to range last year, and then you had guys like Jonathan Taylor emerge, and so they get bumped down a little bit. But from a fantasy perspective, you still have to like Dalvin Cook, what he brings to the table. The only thing that you're missing out on from last year was that there was very limited touchdowns. Six touchdowns for a top five pick is not ideal. You would hope that this year he can get that back into double digits because a double-digit touchdown Dalvin Cook means that you can win fantasy leagues from that number five spot, which is likely where you'll get him. Uh, Looking at these top four, they feel like a pretty consistent top four across most leagues. Now, for his backup, Alexander Madison, who I really like, the only reason why you really draft Madison is that you're assuming that Dalvin's not going to play the full schedule. So his ADP of a 10th or 11th round guy, yeah, it's great. But you know that if he doesn't get hurt, his role is going to be limited. It's going to be the six to eight touches a game. Maybe a receiving yard or two here and there. Maybe a touchdown. But you don't love the fact that his role is limited by the fact that he's behind a top five back. Now, if you're a guy that says, you know what, Dalvin, he's due for an injury. We, We all know those guys in fantasy. I definitely think that, go ahead, go draft Alexander Madison. There's other guys around there that I would rather take that are probably going to have more consistent roles. But Madison, if Dalvin gets hurt, then you get yourself an RB1 and you're going to be thrilled with the result. Now, wide receiver-wise, Justin Jefferson, his ADP is six, so he's one spot behind Dalvin Cook. He's a top five or six fantasy option for me, and to me, he's the number one receiving fantasy option this year. And people will say, wow, you have him ahead of Triple Crown Cooper Cup? I do. I really do. I think with my projection of Kirk improving this year and getting to top 10, a big portion of that is going to be the Justin Jefferson production. And as I said, he went over 1,600 yards last year with 10 touchdowns. So how far can he truly get? I don't think 1,700 is out of the question. I I would favor more towards 1,650. Maybe he throws in another touchdown or two, gets to 11 or 12 touchdowns, and to me, he becomes the number one option as far as wide receivers go in fantasy. Now, I also love his future bet of plus 2,000 to win Offensive Player of the Year. I think actually plus 1,600 was what I saw him at today. He was at plus 2,000 before. I think the value is there that if this Minnesota team makes the playoffs, he's a big reason why. And I do think that you people will want to vote for Justin Jefferson because he's a very likable guy in the league, young guy that's been very productive. So that's a future bet that I like as far as the Justin Jefferson train goes. I'm drafting at eight. If he's there, I'm taking him 100%. And I almost always go running back first round. Then you got Adam Thielen, ADP 72. We're talking about sixth, maybe seventh round wide receiver here. And he's a great flex option because of the fact that Kirk loves to find him in the end zone. The fact that he was that far behind Jefferson in yards 
but he still got to the 10 touchdown mark. He's clearly a guy that Kirk's looking for once they get down in the red zone. Now, he's in the range of the Darnell Moonies, who's on a bad team, DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to miss six games, and Rashad Bateman, playing with a quarterback who would rather make plays with his legs than throwing the ball deep down the field. So to me, he's the best value in that sixth, seventh round range. You have him as a flex wide receiver. You're going to feel great. He may not have the yards, but he's going to have a couple weeks where he goes 100 plus with two touchdowns, and you're going to be absolutely thrilled with the results. Tight end, I don't love it this year. Irv Smith, I've seen it all before, the, the overhype of the Vikings tight ends. I'm just not buying it this year. We saw it with Kyle Rudolph for years. We saw it with Smith last year. I just don't think that Kirk loves looking for the tight end at the end of the day. You can draft him in that Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Noah Fant, David Njoku range. You can play the matchups if you want if you're punting tight end down the road. But Kirk's never loved his tight ends. They're, he's going to burn you more than he's going to help you. And I just think that you're better going to look for other options in the tight end range. All those guys that I just named, I would take ahead of Irv Smith this year. And his ADP is 12th or 13th round. So what are the expectations for the Vikings this year? How do we cap off where the Vikings need to get this season? And let's face it, this is a playoff roster with an offensive-minded head coach that could elevate an already top 10 offense with an improved defense. There's zero reason in the NFC this year why the Minnesota Vikings should not be playing playoff football. I'm not saying they're going to go win the Super Bowl, but if you can't make the playoffs ahead of Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, ahead of Jameis Winston and the Saints, ahead of Carson Wentz and the Commanders, that's what you're going up against for these last wildcard spots. They're not going to win their division. Aaron Rodgers will win this division once again. He's owned this division like he owns the city of Chicago, which is one in the same with this division. But to me, this Minnesota group has the talent. They've improved where they need to. And if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. You just need a ticket to the big dance. And I think that's what the Vikings are going to do this year. They're going to get that ticket. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl, but I think they have the potential to play divisional round football and it all is dependent on how does Kirk Cousins look with this new head coach and an improved defense. So thank you everyone who tunes in every single day to the show. Appreciate you all, and we'll see you tomorrow as we talk the New York Giants with the president of Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.